Blog Talk Radio. Woohoo, listeners! This is Kristen Floor and Eugene Fisher and Mindy Griffiths uh, joining you live this morning from the Voices of the Cannabis Wars radio show. Um, we this radio show is made possible by CCHI 2016, who is providing us a platform for our voices as we want the world to know all about our prisoners who are incarcerated. If you would like to know more about CCHI, please listen to last week's show, and that will pretty much cover everything that's going on with the initiative to legalize and to end prohibition in California. Um, This morning, our show is going to be humongous. First, I want to introduce myself. I am Kristen Floor. Um, I I fight for our prisoners because my dad died shackled to a hospital bed, and nobody else should have to die for a plant. We've got Eugene Fisher here, who served 25 years of a life sentence for a plant and then we've got Mindy Griffiths who is um, she is our producer of the show she's also a guest host and she's also has a segment that we'll hear we'll hear more from Mindy during the show Um, but today's show is going to be so cool because um, first of all I'm going to be joined in a few minutes with one of our our, one of our um, voices of the cannabis world Tony Tony she's on her way to my house so you hear Tony a little bit later that's who that is but about 9.05, we are going to be, jo- be joined by Amy Pova. And we're going to talk about a prisoner by the name of Michael Pel- Pelletier. Pelletier is how we, I think we pronounce his name, who's in a Terry Hot federal prison. He's working on his ninth year of a life sentence. Michael is paraplegic, and he is in a wheelchair. Um, so we're going to talk to Amy about him, and we're going to find out also um, – about Luke and Ricardo, there are some of our some of our our caregivers from California who are locked up in prison, and they have a petition going out. So Amy's going to let us know how we can help him help them. Also, uh, we're going to hear from Stephanie Landa, who's getting signatures at the uh, High Times Cup down in Southern California, and also raising commissary money for all of our prisoners. So we're going to hear from her, and then we're going to hear from Craig Cecil, who is serving a life sentence. Hopefully he's not having to work um, today in the prison system and he'll be able to call in. But after that, we're going to hear from George Monterano. Um He has a regular segment on our show. We're going to talk a little bit maybe about what it was like seeing his mother after 33 years of being incarcerated um, this week. And then at 10 o'clock, we're going to speak with Joy Graves. Joy Graves is an Indian spiritual leader. And the post office took Joy's uh, package, which was, uh, I believe, some MMJ that was being sent to one of Joy's uh, uh, members of her church. Well, the U.S. Post Office took it, and they won't give it back to her. And her patient, her, her, her uh, church member, is needs it, and he's in desperate need of his medicine. So Matt Pappas, who is one of our MMJ attorneys, and he's actually been on our show a few times. Um, he's representing a case down in Southern California where the the police came in and was eating brownies and basically throwing a party in one of the one of the uh, dispensaries down there during a raid. But Matt Pappas has said, "Oh, this isn't right." So he stepped up and he is part of the lawsuit um, that the that the Onac tribe is suing the U.S. Post Office. So Matt is helping them, and Matt's been doing some some uh, touring a little bit around the around the U.S. doing some press conferences and doing some big things for this fight and this big fight. So we're going to hear from Matt Pappas and Joy Gray, 
And then um, we're also going to hear from, hopefully, we'll be hearing from Amanda Latz. She is the representative for Parents for Pot in Michigan. She's their state coordinator, and she also wants to help us lead a, basically lead the way in a march in D.C. So we're going to talk to Amanda about that. And Mindy and I will give you some updated news regarding Josh and Debbie. Um, I'll just tell you right now, they're not going to prison for a plant. Yay, and neither are the Bellingham Three. Yay, and we and Mindy will update you about the details towards the end of the show. So stay tuned. We have a beautiful show, you guys. This is Eugene Fisher, one of our heroes. You, good morning, Eugene. Good morning. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, Mindy. Yeah, this is going to be an exciting show, and I want our listeners to know I'm broadcasting from California. I'm in the house of a lovely lady. and uh, Milan, uh, an advocate uh, of good standing in our community, and I'm as, as always well embraced in this in the uh, West Coast uh, community of advocacy for uh, for changing the whole pot thing. I'm happy to be on the show this morning, and I'm looking forward to our interviews. Yes, yes. In fact, I just got a I just got a backstage message or a back end message from Amy Pova and she will be calling in in just a couple minutes. So we are just really thrilled to have Amy Pova on. Before she comes on, Eugene, I want to let our listeners know who exactly is Amy Pova. Okay, well, first of all, I'm going to tell you who she is to me. Amy Pova is one of my idols, and I'll tell you why. She spent 16 years in prison. Not necessarily for our plants, but for for a, for a drug crime, which we all believe the drug war should be over. And Amy, after she did that, after she got out, she was she was granted clemency from the president of the United States of America, President Bill Clinton, gave her clemency. And Amy got out, and she was so excited that she started her own. It's called the Can Do, and she started her own. Um, you guys, Tony's here. Yay! Hi, Tony. She's one of our voices. But Amy, Amy started her own nonprofit group called Can Do, and it's it's to help other people that she left behind in prison get clemency from the president. Also, she advocates for our plant prisoners, and she advocates for women. And she knows a lot about the system because uh, she. <laughs> She she ended up doing 16 years in prison, and she's one of the most beautiful people in the world. If you see her, she's she's just breathtaking. Her beauty and then her her soul matches her 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 look just perfectly. She's amazing. So as soon as she gets on here, we will talk about one of her prisoners that she advocates for. Well, we all advocate for him, but she especially knows quite a bit about uh, Michael Pellentinger. <laughs> it's very hard for me to pronounce his name. Um, so I'm going to do it. Pelletier. Pelletier. Oh, and guess what, Eugene? And Tony, guess what? what? Um, today is Michael's birthday. He's 60 oh, years old. Happy birthday, Michael. Yay. Yay. <laughs> yes. So why he has to be in prison on his birthday? Eugene, what's it like to be in prison on your birthday? Are you guys there? Oh, my gosh. Can you guys hear me? Hello. Well, I'm going to put yeah, Amy on. Just Kristen, we can hear you, Kristen. Go ahead and put oh, Amy on. Eugene, Eugene couldn't hear me. <laughs> okay, I was worried that my phone messed up and I was off the radio. So, um, Eugene, what is it like to be in birthday in prison on your birthday? Well, maybe Eugene can't hear me. But okay, well, we're going to go to Amy Pova. Good morning, Amy. 
Good morning. Good morning, everybody. We were just, I was just telling the listeners what a goddess you are and what a hero you are to our, to us all. Well, I don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if everyone would agree with that, but I certainly appreciate that. Um, that's quite a compliment. Know, Thank you. I don't know if Eugene can um, hear us right now, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I try to talk to him, and I think we lost him. So I, for a second, I was worried that you guys lost me, but he should be calling right back in. But let's okay. talk. Okay. Let's talk. We were talking about Michael's birthday today, and Michael's in prison on his birthday. Isn't that appropriate that we would have the show today? Yeah, um, Yeah, and it's his 60th of all things, so it's a milestone. And... Um, well, I know I heard you ask uh, Eugene what it was like. You know, everybody is is probably different. Um, I remember one time when I was in prison and I was walking on the rec field, and all of a sudden it dawned on me that it was my birthday that day <laughs> because. Um, yeah, I know. You I didn't know it was your birthday. Hello. Yeah, I said even you forgot it was your own birthday. Well, you don't, you know, you don't, I, I personally, just, uh, I don't know, it, every day kind of blends into the next and you're not somebody who's really focused on even whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> um, certainly weekends were better if you did, you know, if you had a job where you had to work, especially for Unicor people, but, you know, you don't, you just don't focus on stuff like that, so you don't really um count down or think about oh how exciting my birthday we're going to make plans we're going to go ha- go dinner go to dinner or something so it it's just different at least for me and i um I, so it was weird that one day you know it, i think it was the end of the day even it was in the afternoon and all of a all of a sudden i realized it was my birthday so so this is michael's ninth birthday in there yes and, uh, well, yeah, he's, because uh, he didn't go in on his birthday, he's served over nine years so far. But he will, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the clemency and how he um, filed through CP14. And for those of your listeners who don't understand the two roads to uh, the pardon office to get a pardon, um, there's there's two roads that you can take. One of them is the clemency project that was kicked off in 2014, where DOJ came up with a panel that uh, and a, sent in a survey to inmates so that they could fill it out. And that was kind of kicked off with a lot of fanfare and made it seem like, oh, this is they're they're going to expedite this and this is um, going to be um, the quick road and. Obama is interested in clemency, so therefore it was presumed to be a good thing. And I'm not saying it's not, but um, Michael uh, filled out the survey, and uh, there's certain criteria that has to be met. Even though Neil Eggleston, Obama's senior White House counsel, has said, don't over-scrutinize the criteria. You know, don't, don't, if somebody seems like they, qualify just send their petition on we'll take a look at it well michael of all people was turned down and they said that he had not served 10 years and the criteria says that you only had to have served 10 years by the time obama leaves office 
Well, he will have served 10 years by the time Obama leaves office. So that was heartbreaking. And frankly, uh, the statistics are showing that more people are getting out that file direct to the Office of the Pardon Attorney than people who've gone through CP14 anyway. 184 petitions have been signed by Obama. Only 32 of those are people who went through CP14 based on um, data that we've received. I don't, if it's different than um, that's, that's the data that's, that we've, we've been given access to. So um, I had to take on his case under CanDo, and uh, we work with uh, Sam Morrison, who used to work at the Office of the Pardon Attorney for 13 years, and he's willing to look at petitions um, uh, before we submit them, and he gives invaluable advice. So long story short, I uh, uh, kind of worked on it for almost three months, and um, it really felt like it was my own petition. Um, I really wanted everything to be nailed down. It's not uh, uh, something where people relitigate. Um, you, you can't do that. It's about acceptance of responsibility and, unfortunately, remorse, um, which is really hard for some people, especially people who are in prison for marijuana. But um, um, for people who don't understand that, they have to, they have to realize that this, this isn't really an impartial body that it goes to because DOJ has to sign off on it before it goes to the president's desk. So you almost have to think in terms of you having to ask your prosecutor <laughs> to have mercy on you, not just the president or OPA, because they get to weigh in, they get to read your petition, and they give a lot of credibility to what the U.S. attorney who presided over your case has to say. So it's a wow. delicate, delicate balance. Wow. And, um, but, but anyway, we, we got it filed. And um, for, um, I think Stephanie is going to come on here pretty soon. They're getting letters signed, and I've already gotten a bunch of love letters signed at the um, High Times Cup in San Bernardino. And, uh, but anyway, um, I'll let you, I, I'm doing all the talking, so I'll let you interact well, so that we can talk together. Well, I'm a little interested in, you know, in his, okay, so, that's how we're fighting to get him out. What about his, why should he get out? You know, I, I read that he's a paraplegic and he's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I think that's good enough reason alone <laughs> myself. Right. Um, <laughs> qualify for a compassionate release as well. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, I, can I butt in and say something sure. about yeah. that? Uh, sure. I believe, I, I've known people in the 25 years I did, I've known people who are really sick and really in bad condition, and I've heard the argument, why should, maybe they're better taken care of in prison, and that's so much malarkey. Here's the, the bottom line is, if you can, if you can help a man or woman get out of prison to spend one day free, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. worth the effort. It's worth the effort. One day free Mm -hmm. is worth the effort. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. yeah, and that's that's as, as simple as it is. For for people who haven't been incarcerated, yeah. uh, it, it's the deprivation of your liberty is something hard to express. Thank uh, you. 
you know, a, you know that very well, having served time. It's there's something about it. We're not mm-hmm. made to be like like animals in a cage. In fact, I feel for the animals in a cage even. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's we especially if a man man or woman is sick in prison. Let's get them out to breathe the free air at least to be in the and be there with friends or family or loved ones. You know, it's so different, so important. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, or is there an online petition or anything that we can do? Like, if we want to be very compelled to help Michael, um, is there things we yeah. can do on? Absolutely. Online. There's, um, in fact, I I just started a change.org petition for him um, last night. And um, it's on, if you go to the CanDo website and then you click on the icon Free Pot Lifers Now that's over in the right-hand column, it'll take you to, um, it'll take you to uh, people who are serving time for pot, not just pot lifers. And uh, Michael is the second one down. And then when you open up his profile, there's a letter that people can download and there's also a petition um, that people can sign that we've uh, just started, but it. Um, um, we also would like people. It's on Facebook. Uh, put it up last night, and we'd love for people to share it. If so many people don't understand, it's not just about signing it. It's about you signing it and then posting it on your Facebook page and tweeting it and asking. Uh, for me, even I email people because I know a lot of people who just don't get on Facebook, and so I email it to all my friends and. Um, that's how these petitions that have, you know, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000 signatures have been successful. But um, our petition for the uh, women that I uh, did over a year ago, um, it, it was put onto uh, the Cut50 website, and the change.org people actually made it part of that platform under the Alicia Keys uh, we are here for justice reform now, and um, so uh, I'm actually communicating with the, with that group, and I will be asking them to put that on their their platform um, so that it's part of the Cut 50 group. And if people don't know, Van Jones started that organization, and it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of prominent people associated with it. But getting back to Michael, um, for your listeners who don't know, he he lost the use of his legs when he was 11 years old. Um, he was riding on a tractor, and his brother took a sharp turn and didn't know that Michael had fallen off and rolled over him and uh, uh, severed his uh, spinal column at uh, T7. And so from the, from age 11... He has been a paraplegic, and then at age around age 14, like a lot of teenagers, including President Obama, he started experimenting with marijuana, and this was in 1970. So we didn't have any medical marijuana uh, dispensaries or anybody uh, talking about medical marijuana back then, and it was still certainly vilified, but he learned at that age that the marijuana um, lifted his depression. It was infinitely better for um, the pain um, and some of the ancillary conditions associated with being a paraplegic uh, relieved that far better than prescription meds. 
And he lived just below the Canadian border. In fact, he was born in Canada. And he had his mother was from Canada, and many of his relatives still lived in Canada. So he, the family always went to Canada because there was a lot of nightlife. Was, it, they just had, back then, you just drive across the border. And he started <laughs> um, realizing that the marijuana he could get in Canada was far better than the quality marijuana that he got in the States. So it doesn't take long um, for someone to, you know, share their pot with their friends. And then his friends, you know, wanted um, marijuana, uh, the the BC bud. And so he had a couple of brushes with the law that were pot-related. And, you know, for somebody who uh, it's difficult to be independent and earn a living uh, as a paraplegic, Michael went to extraordinary means to do so. He went to New York and he learned to become, uh, uh, he, t- he was Bulova certified to be a, a, a repairman for, for Bulova, but for jewelry repair and everything like that. But he had dreams like every red-blooded American has. You know, people want to be successful. They want to be able to buy their own home. They want to be able to buy a truck. He wanted to have a special vehicle that could afford him um, the freedom of being able to get into the truck with, the, with, with access to a wheelchair. So what do you think is going to happen? You know, the light bulb comes on, and he realized that if he brought marijuana into the U.S., uh, he, could, he could make more money. Um, I think it's horrible that we're putting people in prison or that people are doing this legally now. And um. so it was just a natural... Uh, direction that he took, Amy. So we've got we've got Michael. It's funny you say that because we've got Michael who didn't follow any of the laws, but now we've got people that did follow the laws that are still going to jail, like Luke and Ricardo. And we've got Stephanie on the line. But I want before we pull Stephanie on, I want you. I was hoping you would tell mm-hmm. tell us just a little bit about Luke and Ricardo also, because we've got hopefully Craig calling in in about five minutes or so. But I was hoping you mm-hmm. could tell them um, just a little bit about the petition, and then we'll bring Stephanie on and um, have Stephanie tell us what she's doing sure. to get these petitions signed. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Luke and Ricardo, you know, as you know, they were um, working within the legal confines of uh, the medical marijuana industry. And I won't try to tell their story because, we, you know, we're short on time, but um, it's up on the CanDo website. It's you know, they're both of them are uh, on the same page as um, Michael. You just have to scroll down and and click and uh, read their stories. But you know, they uh, Luke got um, over 20 years, and Ricardo got uh, 20. Uh, Luke got 22 years, I believe. And um, so there's a Change.org petition for them too. Georgine is um, their advocate, and it shows how to be in touch with her. And there's a support letter on the website as well. And um, so, yeah, this is happening. It's happening to people who are even trying to work within uh, the the legal parameters. And, um, you know, I'm sure the government has their side of the story. And um, and so, you know, everybody can read it and judge for Uh-oh, yeah, I don't think I'm on either. Yeah, you guys are both here. You guys are both here. I can hear you. I can hear you loud and clear. My hand slipped and something happened on here. So, yeah, you guys are both here. 
Um, so I will just say Luke and Ricardo um, was one of our caregivers who went to trial. And in this trial, in their unfair trial, the jury didn't even know that they were caregivers or how many people they helped because they didn't allow the state laws in the mm-hmm. federal court. And because the Correct. jurors didn't know about their jury rights, their power to say not guilty to unjust laws, they were found guilty, and, and the judge had it in for them and gave them a lot of time. Um, so, Amy, you've written a lot of letters for some of our prisoners, and Stephanie Landis, she's raised a lot of commissary for our prisoners. And together, mm-hmm. it's a high times cup. There's some amazing stuff going on to help um, a hey. few of these prisoners. Yeah, I know. So here's Stephanie. Um, <laughs> I want, Stephanie and and Amy, your efforts are coming down. Yeah, I hear you raised $850 so far this weekend for our prisoners' commissary. I raised, yes, and the weather's not good. It's pouring out. But we're going to go and try to raise more money anyway because I figure it'll be good for hot chocolate. People will be cold. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we raised well, $850, had about 60 letters for five different people that Amy wrote, and we got them signed. We'll get the rest signed today. Which one? Got some which signs prisoner? in the hotel because I'm trying to hit people that aren't us, you know, and explain things to them because, yes. you know, Luke had a horrible thing happen. The judge said that they couldn't play the tape. The DA, the U.S. attorney, played it during closing arguments, which you're allowed to do anything, and the tape was a rap song where they said, fuck the feds. They should have said, fuck the I love that song. I love that song. How can they punish him for that song? I'm so upset about their case because they did everything right, and they still got slammed, and, you know, and... If you take your stuff to trial, the feds are 99.9999% conviction rate. So mm-hmm. you'll get five years if you don't take it to trial. You'll get 10 plus if you do. I mean, that's Correct. just the way it's been going. You know, I Correct. I admire people that go to trial. I do. I didn't. I took a deal because I didn't want to do 10 plus. I just didn't, you know. But some people, I guess, are willing to do that to make a statement. I totally, total respect for them. I didn't have it, you know. Because so, Stephanie, I just, I didn't believe in our humanity and jury nullification, and I believe in it, but people don't know about it. It takes such a mass yeah. amount of education. People have no idea what jury nullification is. Only us. We're the mm-hmm. only ones that know about it in Massachusetts or New Hampshire because they you have to say it in the courtroom. You have wow. to give people, you have to educate them in New Hampshire, only New Hampshire. So it's a, right. it's a crazy thing out there. People just don't know. Every day people say to me, people don't go to jail for pot. Every single day. So Even like Bill O'Reilly will say that on his show. Bill O'Reilly, yeah, exactly. Blog, will say that people don't go to prison for pot and we have to overcome that ridiculous myth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, when I tell people that aren't us, they are shocked. Mm-hmm. When I tell people I've been in jail for four years, they they just can't even believe me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, it's it, and it is unbelievable. Our, our shameful government is torturing us. We're being tortured. My son is going to jail in three weeks for four years. I mean, oh it's a God. crazy, crazy thing. But he'll fight, I'll fight, we'll all You know what, you guys, I'm sick of this. 
I'm sick of this. It, the prohibition has affected four generation, generations of my family. Oh, and this, I don't think we need to let it. I don't think we need to let it affect any more of our generations. We're going to end this. We got to just end this for everybody. Every um, single person has to stand up. Like when you yeah. say something, you have to. You have to back it up. We have to. These are our pot soldiers. They are yeah. us. You yeah. know, I'd like to yeah. jump in, and I just okay. want to give such huge um, props to um, Stephanie and, 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 and Dina today. They're, they're, you know, they're out in the cold, and they're doing this. But I also want to say that when I got out of prison um, on my pardon and then moved here, moved back here to Los Angeles, I, I don't think it was in 2003 or four. You can correct me, Stephanie, but... Um, uh, maybe even five. I went to the cannabis. It was one of the first. Uh, I, I think they even called it a hemp expo in downtown Los Angeles. And my right. dear dear friends, Mickey Norris and Chris Conrad, were there. That's how I even knew about it. So I went. That's how I met and, you. I know. And um, <laughs> Mickey grabbed me by the arm and she said, "Oh, you have to meet this wonderful woman." She goes, "I want you to meet her." She was in Dublin, where I was, but she was there after I left. And so she, she pulled me over to this booth where Stephanie was. And even way back then, you guys, this was before Facebook. This was before social media. Stephanie w- uh, was there at a booth getting um, cards signed for the prisoners and trying to raise money. Uh, even way back then, she has been doing this for so many years. I know that there's a little more attention and focus on it now. But Stephanie, from the minute she walked out of prison, and even when she was in prison, as she told me, she she was always helping the other prisoners, and she has never stopped, and this has been her mission. And I just want to thank you so much for what you're doing today and Aww. every day. Well, it's right. Oh, you guys, guys, stay on the line. Stay on the line. Stay on the line. We got Craig calling in, and we got to tell Craig what you're doing at the High Times Cut Forum. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm so excited. I know. I love you guys. Uh, I love you soldiers. too. Foot soldiers. Yes, we need them. We need more. Are you at the cup right now, or are you? Um, I am watching the rain in the parking lot. <laughs> um, it's I'm doing like a mad dash for my booth, which is like I will. Hey, so glad to hear you. Hi, good morning. Hello, hello. Hi, good morning Craig. to you. Hello, Hi, Craig. This is Stephanie. Good morning, Craig. Oh. Hi, Stephanie. Craig, we got, Hi, Craig, Craig. We got me. We got me, Tony. Um, we've got Eugene, Stephanie Landa, and Amy Pova. And wait till you hear what Stephanie's doing with your letters in the High Times Cup. Tell them, Stephanie. Hi. So I made up a hundred letters for you, and we're getting them signed for your clemency. And wow. Some signed yesterday, and the rest will be signed today. And we're just spreading the word that people have to get out. This is ridiculous. We're being tortured. No. So glad I get to hear your voice. So oh, well, thank you. It's it's fine. That, or it's uh, wonderful for me to put a a voice to your picture I've seen. <laughs> and but those you're letters. On you're on my list for a hundred bucks. I just collected eight hundred and fifty yesterday for hot chocolate. Wow. So yeah. Wow. We're raising You're on my commentary list. for all of our prisoners. Yeah. Th- thank you. <laughs> I'm ast- I'm astounded. The letter such a Craig. 
This is Amy. I'm just going to jump in just a minute. You don't know because you didn't you didn't hear earlier, but it's uh, they're actually out there in the rain today too. It's raining in San Bernardino, so um, they're really foot soldiers. But they'll probably sell more hot chocolate with the rain. Yeah, because it's cold. Wow. And Amy, so you can degrees. Wow. So they're standing up in the rain, in the cool, in California, no less. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> But thank you, thank you. No, please know I appreciate that very much. And my and daughter just know commented I appreciate yesterday. You doing time. Aww, oh, that's great. Thank you. My daughter mentioned well, yesterday how how her letter came back from the pardon attorney's office when she, you know, put in the uh, advocacy letters that, <coughs> excuse me, that were assembled in the past. And she says that they're definitely noticing them, according to the letters that she gets. It's not just the form letter they send her. They are definitely getting noticed. And that, I mean, that can only be a big advantage that, you know, somehow my petition is getting noticed over the 10,000 others that are sitting there. So thank you so much. That, well, I mean, thank that, you that for doing our helps. time. <laughs> oh, that that right there means a lot. Um, so, Craig, what... What's going on out there in prison this week? You couldn't call in last week because you had to work. So let's. I want to just just say something. How much do you work? How much do you make per an hour, you, um, Craig? Um. Well, I'm at the higher wage, but that puts me at sixty nine cents an hour. Oh, so, the mo- today, so the money Stephanie's going to send you is going to save you like is going to be like the equivalent of prison, like hundred hundred and fifty hours or so. Oh yes. <laughs> That's like uh, two months worth of work. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy I can do this. Jeez. <laughs> Thank you. And you can know that I'm helping the war effort tonight because starting at 3 o'clock this afternoon, I'll be sewing uh, Army shorts. They're black shorts that apparently the Army wears to in boot camp and, you know, to work out in and all that kind of stuff. But I'll be... I'll be make I'll be operating a serger putting together parts of black army shorts until ten thirty tonight. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, for sixty nine cents an hour. Yes. But it's hard to believe well, you... Pardon? But slavery doesn't exist in this country. That's what we're told. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony's, Tony's in the background here. She's one of our voices from the cannabis war, and she just mentioned that it seems like slavery, and and it exists. Um, actually, it is slavery according to the court system, and actually according to the Thirteenth Amendment of the Constitution. The Thirteenth Amendment says there can't be slavery or involuntary servitude except for people under a sentence of imprisonment. So that's why we're considered slaves and they don't have to pay us minimum wage or anything of the sort because the US government does consider us slaves. Wow. And the Bureau of Prison and the Bureau of Prison actually has a requirement that every inmate work. Now granted they can work in the kitchen, they can work mopping floors, there's all kinds of different jobs that are available. But we are actually required to work and we're considered slaves by the US Constitution. <laughs> In fact, that's why you weren't able to call into the show last week, because you had to work. 
Right. Now, last week was uh, the football playoffs, and next week will be the Super Bowl, so I won't be able to call then. Because believe it or not, they changed around the work schedule so that the officers can watch the oh, Super Bowl on TV. <laughs> I am shocked. <laughs> oh. Well, next weekend during the Super Bowl is the second weekend of the Cup, and I'll be collecting more money. Good for wow. you, Stephanie. Good for you. It's two weekends for the yeah. same cup, huh? Yes, two. We- this is the first time that it's been two weekends. But wow. for me, it's great. I, I just like one thing, only because it's the Super Bowl. I just want to let everyone know that um, we they're, they're also supporting Street for Minnie Pearl, and Minnie Pearl is the grandmother of Marius Thomas. And Demarius Thomas plays for the Denver Broncos. So we're going to be rooting for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> I, oh. yeah. I understand uh, last week the uh, – I understand last week the halfway house she was in allowed her to go to the game, so that's fantastic. Well, that's his mother. His mother is Christina. And Katina um, was able, she's out of the halfway house now, but her probation officer finally let her go to a game. In fact, I, I talked with a reporter from ESPN, and um, he, inter- he, he interviewed me, but he's, they're doing a big interview with her now. And um, her, his grandmother is the one who's still in prison serving life, but his mother was serving over 20 years. So, He's number 88, and um, I'm going to sign off and let you guys talk the rest of the show. Go, Denver Broncos. Don't be afraid. <laughs> okay, thank you. And, I mean, thank you so, so much. Thank you. I, I don't know how to express it any more strongly. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So, so, Craig, what's been going on there behind bars this week? Well, things are not much changed. On the one side of me, I can see the razor wire and the guard towers. On the other side, um, I can tell you I'm looking at the laundry bins. How we get our clothes washed is we bag them all up, we put them in these carts, and uh, they take and they throw all our clothes in the gigantic washing machines. They wash them all, and they'll bring them back in a big heap in the carts tomorrow. So, (laughs) Just to let you know a little bit about how things work here. <laughs> wow. I'm ashamed. So when they bring them back, they're awfully crumpled and, and wrinkled, right? Yes, yes. Um, it's actually hard to get into the T-shirt sometimes because they're so crumpled up there. <laughs> it's like they're real small. <laughs> Have they done away with washing machines, uh, private, uh, individual washing machines in your prison? Yes, they they have in many of the Bureau of Prisons facilities now uh, under a, a program to save water. So they're no doing a whole bunch of different things. Yes, uh, we used to have oh in each cell block they would have some washing machines and dryers, and, of course, the inmates would wash their own clothes. But now they use these gigantic central washing machines, and they throw all the clothes together and wash them wow. and dry them at least most of the way <laughs> and then send them back to us. Hey, Craig, one of the big complaints I remember when I was doing my time was that you weren't sure they were really getting clean, and 
if someone had a, any kind of infection or disease, it could be spread to other clothes that was in the bin. In other words, it was unsanitary. They maintained they kept the water hot enough, but that was always questionable. Is that still about what the situation is? Absolutely, it's a concern, especially when they wash all these clothes together. Because when you look at the prison population, there's a lot of people that come from backgrounds of homelessness and drug addiction and all that. So there is a lot of diseased people here, you know, with uh, all kinds of different disease you get from sharing needles and, you know, all the things that come with uh, people of drug addictions. And, and of course, you know, you you worry about, you know, what did they leave on their clothes that are bumping into my clothes in the washing machine, you know? And and that is still obviously a concern. And, and there are, you know, different skin infections and staph still run rampant through the prison. I, I'm sure they did that in, you know, when you were still in also. Yeah, we had a, we had a demonstration in one of the prisons I was in against them taking out the washer and dryers, and they refused to uh, allocate any money for repairs. So it, it was like a black market repair thing going on to keep the washers going because people were really afraid of just what you said. And uh, finally they allowed us to get uh, some part of the budget for maintaining and repairing the, the washers and dryers, and we kept them in. But like you say now, apparently uh, uh, economy has won out over, over uh, good health maintenance and so on a shame it's a shame that you know that just the push of some of the wardens and the people that run the bureau of prisons as i told you we just went through several weeks where they didn't serve us supper because basically they would have to work overtime because they were uh sending all their people to training in one month rather than over the course of the whole year so thus, you know, because of their staff shortages, they decided, well, just skip supper. And they gave us a bologna sandwich and uh, a bag of chips and an apple and said, here's your supper in a bag. Oh, our, game, and you our had, government is so shameful. Oh, yeah. Now, who, would, who would think of that, you know, especially for weeks at a time? <laughs> I would never think about giving somebody a bologna sandwich for dinner, not even if I was broke and I didn't have any money, like, I mean, I would at least get ham or something. Like, I would never think about and a bologna sandwich sometimes anybody. the bologna is anybody. molded. Sometimes uh, you open the sandwich and the bologna <laughs> is molded. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah it, I can't. it comes in with kind of a green glaze. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I can't I express how much I hate the thought of bologna. Even as a free man, I can't stand it. I can't it. tell you how much I hate the baloney from the government. Oh, well said. Well said. And I know Stephanie and Amy have sent me joking uh, emails. Uh, oh, I know it's Wednesday, so expect a burnt yep. hamburger, a, hamburger, a wilted lettuce, <laughs> and uh, all that's still the same, except... Let's see. What's changed now is they're not allowed to fry the fries anymore. They have to bake them. So they're, <laughs> <laughs> so they're not called French fries. No. Yeah. No, fries. I'm not quite sure what you'd call them now, but they're <laughs> they're not quite what 
you'd consider to be French fries. Yeah. You guys, so I want to take like, a dad. I hope I never have to go to prison. No, no don't rain go to prison. Stop ever. Oh, I hope I my food. So I'm going to say goodbye. All right. Be okay. Good, Thank you for all you do. I love yeah, you. Said thanks for everything you're doing. Thank I you, Steph. This call is from a federal prison. Bye. Bye. I love bye. you. Okay, bye. Goodbye. And thank you so, so much. See, Craig, we're all fighting for you out here, even though you're locked up, you know, behind bars without any family or any loved ones. Like, you still have a lot of loved people that love you out here. Well, thank you, thank you. And please know that I feel it in so many ways and how I just look forward to these calls every Sunday. And Unfortunately, I'll miss the one next week, but... I'll be back the week after. <laughs> we can't wait. We can't wait. Be good. Be good. Be careful. Oh, do you know Michael Pellinger? Today's his birthday, and he's in the same prison as you. Unfortunately, we're in different buildings. He's across okay. the street. Okay. Well, we're talking about him. So. I think they might be on lockdown. They had somebody killed there a few days ago. Oh, so he has to be on lockdown on his birthday? He might be. Well, the phone's going to hang up, but I want to say thank you to everybody for shining a light on us in here and and remembering us, because I can speak for me and really probably for everybody that thank you. It means so much. Thank you for not forgetting us. We love you. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for your sacrifices. Thank you, Craig. Oh, listeners, that was Craig Cecil uh, serving a life sentence plant he is on his 13th year in a federal prison and he risked uh he could go on lockdown for calling into our show and he risked every week getting his voice heard so that we all know what's going on back there behind bars um eugene our next guest is one of eugene's bestest friends in the whole world um georgia monterano who has a regular segment on our show spent 33 years in federal prison with with Eugene and they go so far back. They've done so not just today just friends in prison, but they did some amazing things together. Um, they've led they've led all kinds of good stuff um, happen in prisons. And he George just was just recently free Eugene. So now now your best friend George Georgie's on the phone. Shall I bring him on? Hello, George. Georgie, good afternoon. Are you there? Good afternoon. Okay. All right. Give us some poetry. Put some poetry in our lives. Let me tell you the theme of the poetry. You know, I haven't set foot in Philadelphia in 33 years, and uh, I just arrived here uh, 48 hours ago, and, uh, you know, it's just wave after wave of amazement because upon release I went to Florida because I needed some – I needed some like uh, tranquil acclimation, uh, acclimated rather, back to uh, the free world. I just didn't want to come to a hub of major cities. Well, now I'm here, and I wrote something about it, especially for the show. So here goes. <clears throat> Again, I don't title them because I write I write them a few minutes before the show. <clears throat> With winter night, I move along Philly Way. Here and there, I create with a loving dream, oh, of what had been. A church comes grand, steps on high, and how I kissed her as cars went by. The city park slept 
for so very long. I entered there the bench. Swear I heard pass sigh. And eerie still, ah, the booth she gave me, gently thrilled. The love I lost, the love I found. Poor boy, poor man, now free. Walk streets of old gray, that be. Night and day, day and night. Please be so kind to remember me, for I do smile and wave. Hey, geez, I got a date today. Hey, Philly, what do you say? That's it. Oh, that's so cute. Yes. Very nice, George. We we have your your poem is brought in. I can picture you with your first love, George, walking the streets of Philly. Well, I have uh, some some. Well, you know, some uh, people that amazing people that are still in my life, and thank God. Uh, I mean, the women. Uh, one thing about women, they never falter in their loyalties for some reason. They never. I think if you're a gentleman, which I always, always was in the past, and ladies and gentlemen, just because you went to prison and you, you know, you come home, that doesn't mean you carry yourself in the utmost way. The gentleman with all forms of uh, family life and friends, and especially with children. So once you understand that, those that are that incarcerated, and, and you know, some, some are, are, are dressed to society. Yes, we have to be realistic. But some are there are just some good people that got caught up, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, especially the women. There's so, much, there's so much women in there. And, you know, when you see your sister, your aunt, or a friend, you know, that's the women that are making up these federal prisons. So, you know, but anyway, uh, getting back to to Philadelphia, I, I took my mom, uh, you know, she's 87. She's my uh, heart. And that's another reason I had to be back because, you know, be it not for the son to care for the mother. But anyway, I took her to a friend of mine's restaurant. He's owned it for 50 years. And we went in there at uh, 630. And... Uh, and my my friend, the owner, he gave me a very large table, and I didn't catch on until like about 20 minutes there because the large table there, I was actually a line waiting from the bar uh, to the table, and it just rotated from 6.30 to 11 o'clock. All friends, amazing friends that just came out and showed a lot of respect, and, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize uh, how many people uh, and that was just a small portion, how many people actually cared uh, while I was away. So now that I'm home, what you do? Well, you know what you do? You give back. Now, I don't know if I can give back to those each individuals, but they're all basically grandparents now. And I told them, if you have any trouble with your grandchildren, if you need me to speak at schools, et cetera, et cetera, I will be there as some kind of voice to deter anything, you know, any hurt that the, uh, the young person is going to bring down about, about <clears throat> upon himself. So it was amazing. I wish I uh, I could have filmed it. It just went on from 6.30 to 11. And my mother, uh, the whole time, she did, there was a smile on her face the whole time. And and my friends uh, that, you know, they're from, where the place is like across the street from my home. There was a lot of, they, they said they never seen her the smile so radiant. So uh, you know, like it, it's like I said, ladies and gentlemen that are listening, you know, 
Uh, we, you know, a lot of us were overpunished for marijuana, extremely overpunished, and this is the kind of people we really were. Uh, Christine's dad, uh, Gene, there uh, uh, on the show, and I, and there's so there's so many of us. It's, uh, Craig, what's his name, Craig, at the institution you just spoke to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, you can see what kind of person he is, and he's languishing and. And he just said, he just talked about violence, and that's what these places are coming because, you know, they took, they absolutely took the, no no hope, there's no hope, and this is that the, these humans become more violent. Gene? George, uh, I, I want to ask you, I'd I like you to express to the audience the raw emotions of being with your mother after all that time incarcerated and her being able to see her son. Please Well, you know, you have to uh, basically, uh, (laughs) I keep a pair of sunglasses uh, tucked over my, on my head. And my mom says, why she don't, she didn't get the drift. Why I walk around it? Because, you know, I, I tear up. There's so much that uh, she's such a a joy to me. And I, to her that I basically, uh, I just I just flip the sunglasses down on the bridge of my nose because I'm all my eyes are watering up and and I don't want her to see that and I, it's been not basically I've been, I've been, I got the sunglasses on from when I get up to when I go to bed so it's just such an emotional joyful ride. I am. Um, I saw the video George of your of you uniting with her on Facebook and it made me cry like it was so so emotionally and. So emotional and sweet. Like she was so happy. She was screaming for yeah, you. Yeah, it's just uh, I uh, touched my heart. I mean, the whole neighborhood has got there. You know, it's winter time, so you have what you call a storm door. It's glass door in front of your regular your house door, and all the storm doors are uh, the house doors are open. They're just storm because the whole neighborhood is waiting for me to come by. And naturally, when I come by, I have to go in, and I got like. I, I got up to like six rain checks for dinners, and uh, <laughs> and they were around the neighborhood, so it's just growing and growing and growing, and uh, and you know they all have grandchildren and stuff like that. So now I'm basically the oh this is a Christine. Uh, there's a school here that the principal uh, I know when we were kids. So and. Uh, you know, you know the times is hard for you know like the, the parents. You know the parents work, the grandparents work. <laughs> so guess what? My guess is the job I got for these little kids at three o'clock. Hmm. I'm the one that has designated to go pick them up from school. So Yay! I was in one day. You know, I'm walking down the street with. First, it started with two. I'm up to five, six. I think six little kids. And oh. the principal, uh, who knows me, you have to go there and sign. And it's, and it's so mad. I got a list of list of names. Wait a minute. I got a name. I got a name. I just got another name. Hold on a minute. Oh, I can't find my wallet. Yeah, I just there's another child I got to pick up tomorrow. Uh, uh, I got little little Zoe Iconi. Little oh yeah, Coney. That's another one. So now here I am. Uh, I'm basically Gene knows the guy carry myself. I'm a seasoned gentleman, always shoulders back. But I got to walk into the school, 
and I take all these little girls, mostly old little girls, and they're waiting for me. Now the problem is these kids are not like when we were little. I don't know why. They're very smart. <laughs> and they talk to me. They talk to me like teenagers, and they're telling me, "Well, we're not going right home. We're going over here, and we're going over there." <laughs> That's so funny. So I got these guys that I know growing up, and they're into a lot of good things, not bad things. So, and uh, a matter of fact, I just got a call from uh, two uh, two gentlemen, you know, bachelors and handsome guys and well dressed. They says, uh, "Well, what's tomorrow?" They said, we want to take you shopping, go shopping, we're going to go buy some food, and we're going to have my nephew Robert cook as a chef. And I said, yeah, but yeah, between three and four, I can't. <laughs> they says, why? I said, I got to go pick up all those little kids from school. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys, you know, these, these guys in, you know, suits and uh, overcoats and, you know, turtlenecks, and they're looking at it. They said, where's yours? I said, yeah. I got to go pick up all these little kids from school, and that's my job. And the neighborhood gave me the job, and that's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love so, it. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, uh, you know, huh? George, uh, I want to just express this to the listeners. The uh, raw emotions of a mother and son or mother and daughter and what happens when you're incarcerated? I, I, as you know, George, I would speak to my mother every day I could. Every day we could get to the phones for just right. a minute or two, just to hear her voice and her, having her hear my voice. Right. And when she was dying, you were with me, George, when she was dying. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I couldn't get to her, and she just kept saying, and she called me Jeannie because, uh, you know, Others call their right. kids, even right. if they're grown men, by the diminutive. And I just, uh, to me, right now, it's so such a major thing to have George and his mother reunited. I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an a event. pleasure. Mimi, we're up. She's like, uh, she's my mom. She's my buddy. And uh, and I, uh, you know, I take her out. And we we already have dinners lined up all the way to next weekend at homes oh. and this and that. So it's just uh, it's just you know you just uh, you, you know you learn you learn from uh, I don't know what it is you know when you you put in darkness which I was put in I I helped put myself in that darkness let's be I was uh, let's be real, real about it I helped put myself in that darkness and then. Uh, and uh, you start looking for the light. When you're in the darkness, you look for the light. And believe me, a lot of lights are clipped off. And uh, But your mom's light, there's always that light in that window. Yeah, you remember, Christine, the book, The, the Thornburgs, years ago, was a major book and a movie. Mm-hmm. Jean, you remember The Thornburgs? I remember. I remember it well. Yeah, well, she it was made a into a, yeah, made she into had a movie, too. Sheep. Yeah, she, yeah. Had a, she had kids, but one was the black sheep, but... He really loved her. He really loved her, and uh, she loved him. And he wound up uh, doing thirty years in the book. He did thirty years in Australia, and and you know, naturally he became out. He came out older, and the mother got older. So the family, uh, when his due date was ready, the family uh, was waiting to go go together. And she said, "No, I will pick up my son myself. 
I go. I would go for my boy, and she drove this long distance and, t- and picked up her son. And uh, that always stuck to me as a writer. So uh, you know, thank God I, I'm in a position to tell these stories, and not like poor Gene. And he came out, and his mom was gone. So you guys, uh, I um. Your guys' conversation has literally brought Tony and I. Um, George, I have a, a guest here on the show. She's one of our voices of the cannabis war up here, and she's she's joining me for um, the show today. But you guys have had us laughing, okay, well, you've had us crying, and we've, we've felt, no. I'm saying that you've you've brought us to tears, and you've made us happy and laugh all in the whole 15 minutes. Um, right. We love right. you. We love you so much, yeah, and we're so glad. Yeah, well, Gene, find out who who owns who's the corporation and owns Toys for Us because these little girls tricked me. I got to take them to Toys for Us. So <laughs> yeah. find out who find out Listeners. who we know with Toys for Us. That's international. See, we can Listeners. get some kind of this this town Listeners. or something. <laughs> get chip in, send George some money to buy <laughs> presents for the little kids in Philadelphia. Yeah, he's going to hear us. Yeah, and you see how they wait for me, Christine. They got their hands folded and they're tapping their feet. <laughs> I said, look at these, look at these. And they're so cute. And uh, I said, oh, then I hear it. I got to take them for toys for us. Oh, boy. So anyway, it's all real. Toys are right. I'll, see you, I'll see you guys next week. Gene, I love right. you. Christine, I love you. Love you, George. Mindy, Mindy. all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, that was George Monterano's segment on the Voices of the Cannabis War. George spent 33 years in prison for our plant, so it's, Eugene is so Christian, cool that you got him on here. <laughs> Christian, uh, I, yeah. I'm really proud of our show that we're able to bring this wonderful person, this man, George, on on a regular basis for the listeners to hear the poetry that sings in his heart and his words after all that time incarcerated. He's still such a good, natural person. It makes me so happy that we can do that and bring that voice out to the listeners. I know. It it makes makes me feel, and I'm sure Mindy too, I'm sure it it makes me feel like our work is, is, is getting somewhere. You know, like we we're providing a voice, and that's what we even said we wanted to do is be able to make what we're trying to say louder and give people an opportunity to be able to tell what's going on. And I, I'm glad that yeah, Christian, Christian, I like to just make this point as we're talking. I'm thinking on this show, we started out with Amy, who did 17 years, who's yeah. a very powerful advocate very elegant, beautiful lady doing things. We brought, right from the federal prison system, we brought the voice of Craig, unjustly convicted of a weed crime that he wasn't didn't even do to a life sentence, and yet his voice rings out still, rings out the truth of things. And then we brought Georgie on, George Maturano, who's a poet, a writer, and a free man. And I think it's just so wonderful. We hear you speaking, who watched your father die in prison, 
again, people people who are stimulated to to do something to change the system to improve it, and that's the essence right. of our work. And that's, you, that's our cathedral in the sky. Right, right. Eugene, let's not forget the sacrifice that you yourself has made as well, the many years that you served, and you know the loss of your mom, and you know, and you and the wonderful spirit that you have, and, and that you continue to fight for those that remain incarcerated. Um, uh, I look forward to meeting you one day in person. Yeah, and that was a message from Tony. She who's here with me, Eugene. She she listens Thank to you. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. And, I love you. Yeah. Well, Eugene, we've got a really powerful person on the phone. Her name is Joy Graves. She is an Indian spiritual leader for the Onak uh, Church. And um, you've met her before on our show, but um, this time she's going to talk to us about what's going on with the post office. And this woman is, she's one of my idols as well. It's, it's so, I know I said Amy was, and I know Stephanie is too, and they're both on the show, but Joy is, um, Joy is very, she's, she's been in trouble for our plant before, um, got herself through it. Uh, it just, she's just an amazing person. And now she's representing, yeah, she, now she, she's definitely representing her whole, her whole church now with this, this lawsuit against the federal government. And, um, good morning, Joy. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? Thank you for the kind words. Good okay. morning, Joy. Good morning. Joy, this is Eugene Joy. Fisher. Eugene, Eugene served 25 years of a life sentence for our plant, so he's the one of the other hosts of the show. Wow. Joy, I'd like to make just one point here uh, concerning your community, the Native Americans. In the time I did in federal prison, every prison I was in, had a Native American com- uh, part of the compound allocated to them with sweat lodges, and I used to sweat with them. Oh, and wonderful. one of the high points of my incarceration was always association with the Native American community, with with the uh, medicine men that came in, with the, with the meals that we, uh, once or twice a year they let different groups prepare meals, and it was always a wonderful meal prepared by the Native American community. It was a really a, a positive and a strong part, a very good thing in federal prison, if you can say there's anything good about being incarcerated. That was one of the good experiences. Well, I'm glad to hear it. That's what that's what this is all about, is, is connecting people spiritually back together where we need to be as one people and getting to work on what needs to be fixed so that we can do what we can to save the earth and, you know, preserve some goodness for the future generations to come. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, that the, the, the tribes have been there for you and, and inspiring to a lot of the inmates in there. I know I'm, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback from them as well, really anxious and encouraged to, to get involved with the, with the Native American church and, what we're trying to do here personally. So it's it's my honor to meet you, sir. Can you give us a little background, Joy, about the, the Native American church that you're associated with, your work, and so on? Um, I hope I can. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm by far a spokesperson <laughs> for the entirety of the church. Um but the founder or the co-founder of our church, which is the is the head of our mother church, as we call it, 
Uh, this is James uh, Warren Flaming Eagle Mooney, and he was uh, pretty notorious there back in, oh, I want to say around, what, early 2007, uh, when he went to Utah Supreme Court and won the right for uh, the Native spirituality and culture and and uh, medicine practitioner uh, wisdom to come off of the boundaries of the reservation um, and also out from under that blood quantum requirement that the Bureau of Indian Affairs loves to try to push down everybody's throat and further separate all of us. Um, and specifically, too, he 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 won in that in that bout uh, the right specifically for all the tribes on and off reservations uh, to utilize the grandfather sacrament, which is peyote. Um, I know his blessing came primarily uh, from the Sioux Nation, um, Oglala. Uh, Porcupine Reservation or Pine Ridge, as, as most of us know from the history, uh, very very strong structured uh, tribe. Uh, the the Standing Bull family uh, is the is where the biggest I think the biggest uh, emphasis is always put on the root of our tree is Akava. Um, Leslie Fulbull, which I believe was the grandson. Um, of of Standing Bull gave James uh, one of the powerful blessings in writing, which helped us to get it legally um, honored, you know, as having the rights to do what we're doing. Um, and then also Richard He, who holds the foundation Swallow, um, which is uh, was medicine man of the Rosebud Reservation. Um, is predominantly that's that's my understanding of how our tree. Uh, goes up from the branch that I am. Um, and then from there, um, it goes back, I believe, through to Quinai Parker's establishment of the first Native American church here in the United States, which was established to preserve and protect the, the spiritual and cultural and medicinal practices of uh, the first people here, uh, you know, well, long before 557 years ago. <laughs> so, um, but that's what we're trying to do. My branch specifically, um, I'm the head of, of the Katanowitz Makia here in Oregon, um, also Washington. Uh, and the primary medicine that we focus our, our healing and our spiritualism on is cannabis. Um, we call it the mother medicine. And so um, I was a longtime cannabis activist before uh, becoming involved with Aquaba. So it was a real easy uh, stand for me to walk into um, because I have a, a, a personal, you know, history as as uh, cannabis being the only reason that the doctors say I'm still alive. Um, it's helped my family members to maintain a longer life than has been told to them. Um, it's helped countless, countless people. You know that, that I've, I've had the, the blessing of helping uh, with various, you know, across the sun from strokes to seizures to cancers to, you know, all the great things that it's that it's medicinal for and. You know, it's it. 
it's my honor to stand up and continue to defend the plant. But two, you know, I'm getting kind of tired of defending the plant all the time. So, (laughs) you know, we need to move toward liberating it so that this is just done. And so that's in a nutshell what I'm hoping that it it comes out of this case that we've got going now against the federal government um, along with the post office that we can just get it liberated. Look, it's a plant. It's harmless. You know, what's the problem here? Who dares to say that it's not medicinal? Who dares to say it's not a natural plant? It's creator's medicine, and, and, you know, it it will help heal a lot of people, if not, you know, uh, give them a good quality but a good quantity of life. And that's that's what... You were trying to heal somebody. Um, You were were helping to heal somebody. Um, What happened with, with that with the post office why are you guys doing them well we have the right you know Um, to to use all the earth-based healing sacraments whether it's plant mineral metal whatever um and uh i have a a member of mine over uh in uh she's actually in kentucky right now hop skipping a jump from her son in ohio um she has esophagus cancer and she has been beating the odds of of her survival and she put her faith ultimately she wanted an ace you know an ace card everybody does when you're in that kind of situation you want to find something that's going to convince you that 100% guaranteed you're you're going to come out of this okay and she put her faith to creator and her grandson is a member of my church as well her son is a member of another branch of Akava there in Ohio and you know, together they. She reached the conclusion that she was going to put her trust additionally into Creator's medicine, which is the cannabis, to to help you know make sure she stays winning the cancer. And so I was sending a gift package. This was just before Christmas, uh, over to the member. Um, I had put some medicine in there for his mother. Um, I had put also other little things. Um, you know, Christmas stocking, uh, a, a little can of peanuts, stuff like that, you know, just little things, candy canes, things to kind of brighten them up, sent some of the sacrament, um, and I also sent them some money because I know that they've been struggling financially with her being ill and everything, and the post office uh, in Eugene had no problem taking the package, and in Portland, apparently, the the morning it was supposed to be being delivered in Ohio, um, come to find out that the uh, postal inspector in Portland decided to seize it because he suspected that there might be a controlled substance in it. And so um, as soon as I found out, I went down there, um, I well, I tried to talk to him on the phone first, tried to explain to him. You know, he says, well, how much marijuana is in the package? I said, I, I didn't say there was any marijuana in the package. There is church sacrament. There's medicine sacrament and spiritual sacrament in that package for my church members. And it doesn't matter how much of anything is in that package. It's none of your business. It's not addressed to you. Um, wow. You know, and I wouldn't give him a definitive answer over the phone. And, and then it led to uh, in-person confrontation. Uh, where I went down there with some church members. We had a small protest. Um, We went in, put him on official notice that he is victimizing our church in two ways, spiritually and medicinally. Um, Wanted the package back. He 
insist that the Controlled Substance Act somehow supersedes the RELUPA law and, and the Religious Freedom Restoration Law, which it doesn't. And he maintains, they maintain the position. They're not giving it back. They haven't given me any written notice um, to tell me that they've seized it other than it was on their website as seized. Um, and they're not going to deliver it, and they're not going to get rid of it, and they're not going to give it back. <laughs> so, we're, you know, we, we want it back because it's, this religion, it's needed. This Religion Freedom Act, that's a federal, that's a federal law, right? Absolutely. And it extends so beyond, because there's a lot laws. of misconception about that. You know, it extends beyond Native American or Indian religion. The, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act protects all religions across the board. So, you know, that's another misconception I think that a lot of people are under, um, just based on what I'm seeing publicly being, you know, questioned or commented in regards to the situation. Um Oh, the Indians want their pot back. Well, no, it's not the Indians wanting pot back, and it's not Indians, and it's not pot. It's it's the Native Aquaman Native American Church wants their can their sacrament cannabis back. Period. Right. <laughs> so, so this lawsuit, um, this so this lawsuit is going to be heard in a federal court. Absolutely. And you have uh, Matt Pappas now. Matt Pappas, he he is. Um, a hero to all of our all of our caregivers across the whole nation for the for what he stands up for. I mean, he's one of those uh, medical marijuana attorneys that that goes out of his way um, to actually fight for our rights and not just for something to be won. And he he we love Matt Pappas. He's been a guest on a few of our shows, and he's not. It seems as though he, we had plans on him coming, but he's on a on a flight right now, so he's not going to make the show. Um, so we're going to have Mindy Griffith who is from Portland, and Mindy is attending some of your guys' um, press conference that you have been having. I mean, I saw some of your videos on Facebook, and I was just so impressed. Um, I thought you guys, now what a way to fight for your rights is by holding a press conference. And Matt has went to a couple of the different press conferences across the nation. Um, so I want to bring Mindy on, and we can talk about um, what's going on with those press conferences and how come it's so important that this word gets out to the whole nation um, and that people tell the story. Um, good morning, Mindy. Good morning. Good morning, Joy. Good morning, Mindy. Good morning, beautiful Mindy. This is Tony. Good morning, Tony. Um, <laughs> this, has been, this has been an interesting week for me. I got to go all over the place with some... Um, for uh, uh, activism type stuff and the first thing that I got to do was to go to the press conference for Joy and um, meet Matt Pappas and um, you know attorneys can sometimes be a lot like well I don't know this might be this is kind of an appropriate analogy considering we're talking about religion I remember sitting in church as a little kid and either you were really interested in what they were saying or you were asleep well attorneys are like that as far as I'm concerned, I, I will either just, what did you say? I didn't hear a darn word, or they had me at the edge. Well, Matt, I was very interested in everything he had to say. He talked about all kinds of things. Um, I A couple things that he said that, I, that really stuck in my head was um, religion is not a blood type, and that's something that we get stuck on. Um, I heard Joy touch on it a little bit about how um, – 
uh, you know, the Native Native American people and and whether or not um, you need to be have a certain amount of blood in your system to have faith in this in this path and and that's not what the uh, Freedom Act is about. It's not about your blood type. You don't have to be Irish to be Catholic. You don't have to, you know. So it's it's the same kind of thing. And I I was really impressed with that. Um, also, he Matt took a lot of questions from the people who were there about their own personal situation and circumstances. And you know, people would ask him regularly. You know, well. It, you know, is this legal? You know, will I get in trouble for this or will this happen? And, you know, he said, listen, just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean you're not going to have to battle the government to keep your right. Right. That's right. exactly what this church stands for. That's exactly our point. A lot of people look at the terminology Native American and they assume, oh, Indian. We're going back to those those confusing times in history where Columbus was lost and landed on a land that he thought was India. And from there, we're following all the lines of division and separation because it's easier to conquer us as a people. And the reality is all of us born on the American continent, North, South, Central America, we're all Native American. This, This is the land that Creator gave to us, and with it comes inalienable rights. You know, we have the right to live. We have the right to be happy. We have the light, right to pursue whatever whatever makes us happy as long as we're not infringing on anybody. But everything that comes from this earth, I mean, our, all of our ancestors are buried here. You know, they are the dirt and the soil of this land. And so we all have these rights. And the problem is, and that's why Aqaba is starting to get the attention that it is, is because... The government has made it where we're so divided by race, class, sex, the color of someone's hair, the color of someone's skin, that that that, that it's easier to to take away our rights as we're seeing done, as we continue to bicker over these insignificant lines that were designed to separate us. When the reality is, it's we the people that have the power and have the say and have the authority over this land because Creator put us here to have that. With it comes expectations, with it comes responsibility, like taking care of the earth, protecting the earth. You know, we're off track because we have been separated. We, the people born here right now, we have been separated for over 500 years from those that have the wisdom to live with the earth because we're not born on an Indian reservation or... or, uh, they're a lesser class, or when they came off the boat, the, the people living here who didn't have jails and prisons and, and these kind of systems, we were con- they were considered uncivilized. You know, they wore they wore animal skins instead of fancy you know cotton woven outfits and and fancy dresses. You know, it, we've got to get past that, and we've got to unify like like Russell Means, like John Shadell, a lot of the the wise elders all agree, you know, with White Buffalo's prophecy that we all have to unify as the one tribe that Creator wants us to be, and we all have to work toward protecting and defending the earth, trying to undo the last 550 years of damage here on this land, and and move forward. And that includes repealing stupid laws like prohibition. They had no problem repealing alcohol, and it's far more proven to be dangerous to people as far as the abusers of it than cannabis. This is no different, you know. And the postman, he, the postal inspector said to me, well, you know, if there was peyote in the box, we, this would be a different situation, but you can't send marijuana in the mail. Well, 
excuse me, <laughs> when, when was fighting that peyote right, everybody agreed that even though there had been no overdoses or deaths, that peyote had a, had a degree of danger as to where we all know cannabis has absolutely zero risk of danger other than right. police and government intervention and, and, and persecution because we're, we're utilizing the plant, you know. And, and so this isn't a, a cannabis issue. This isn't a Native American issue. This isn't a church issue. This is, this is our rights issue. You know, it, we the people have to come together, and unfortunately, the government has made it to where only Akalba, Native American Church, has the legal standing to try to defend everybody's individual rights, liberties, and freedoms. We have to do that collectively to be the masses, to get the changes. And so Akalba is just simply trying to be that, what they call umbrella, which is, is almost inappropriate. It, it's more like a shield. We are trying to be the shield for the native-born American people. I don't care what your skin color is, what your bloodline is, what your hair color is. That's all irrelevant. We all born here have rights to this land and everything that grows upon it, including this plant. And I will continue to stand yeah. against them. I don't give a damn what they threaten. Yeah, They're wrong. Joy, you're making us <laughs> excited. <laughs> yes, yes. What? Oh, my gosh. You are just inspiring. I love to hear you. You are yeah, and that is the same way. And I, I mean, a lot of people, even in the church, a lot of people go, "Well, he's an attorney. He, he's registered with the bar. You know, we don't know if we can trust him." You know, I trust him. I've spent time with him. We have talked. You know, we both concur. This is far bigger than a church issue um, or a, a bloodline issue. This is a civil rights issue that we're dealing with here, and we're going to put the government in place as swiftly and as effectively as we can, not just for our church members, but for beyond, because if we can be that initial stepping stone to get this recognized as being our birthright inheritance to do, then it's going to make it a lot easier for the other, not just churches, but the other groups of, of human society to take that stand and say, well, hey, if they have the right, then obviously we have the right too. We're going to use this plant. We're going to heal our sick. We're going to cure our kids and piss off. Yes. Uh, Joy, we only have a couple minutes left, um, but I want to, okay, so I have a question. I know Mindy, Mindy probably has something to say too still and probably Eugene, but I just want to say that I saw Matt in a video of you guys having a, of, of the church having a ceremony um, and Matt was part of the ceremony, and I watched that, and I just, it was really compelling to me. You um, it was a video, video um, in Ohio. Oh, it was, okay. Uh, that was the conference that was the day. It was the day after our conference in Portland. Um, Matt flew over with Sergio, his assistant, to. Uh, Cincinnati. They met the receiver of mine. They also met with our other um, uh, healer over there, Jason Rios. Um, he had a four-year-old girl that he was going to to go over and try to do a healing on, um, had leukemia, and the police stopped him. And he had over a hundred different medicines, herbal medicines, in his medicine bag. But because he had cannabis oh. among them, they arrested him and charging him with felonies. And the little girl passed away a few hours after he was arrested. So, um, yeah, there was a conference held. Um, there also was some tribal meetings going on with Aquaba and a few of the other nations over there who have since uh, agreed with the confederation um, of their tribes with Aquaba in the stand. 
and so a few of them came to that uh that conference and and that's what you saw yeah wow well um so there that video is on my wall if anybody wants to learn more about it um and share it around so that people can can hear it please um go to my wall wall to see that um Mindy, what what else do you have to say? Um, you know, the last thing I'd like to say is uh, also another thing that Matt said during the conference, and we've all said this and heard it, um, but I want to remind everybody that what the government wants is to divide and conquer. And that's how they, they destroy us, um, mm-hmm. by dividing our religions, our races, um, dividing us within our own group. We divide ourselves. Um, and um, I just encourage everybody to continue to look at what's the same about each other and to listen to what Joy has said today and um, support this um, case. If you're here in Oregon or wherever, the, Joy, where will the federal government listen to this case, actually? As far as my understanding goes, we're going to be heard in Portland. When yes. I'm oh, not yeah. sure. I know there's other... I want to come down I know there's there. other when? things that Matt's working on right now too, like at the press conference he released, we're gonna be adding um we have the injunction restraining order against the United States government, against the Postal Service, the postal inspectors. Um we're also going to be putting one as on the state as well, because on my way home from the protest, um, as a form of retaliation within hours of, of our case being filed, um I was uh pulled over and arrested and and victimized in ways I'm not going to go into because you're running out of time. Um, but there will be additional filings if there isn't, hasn't been already. I think he had said Friday um, they had planned to have additional, um, you know, restraints in place. So all of the Aquila members within the state should be restrained, should have restraining order in place. If not Friday, then hopefully by Monday at the latest. Um, so that there can be no more retaliation against our, our church or the members for, you know, the victimization over the plant, the fact that we stand by Mother Medicine. So, well, I stand by Mother Medicine too. I think um, I know. Eugene, I think we all stand by what you say. I I, be, I believe in everything you said 100. percent It just sounds it sounds right that that they should give the medicine back asap and let's let you know walk away from it um it, it's sad is that in 2016 we have to fight for our rights like that still but i'm i'm personally i feel like i feel so so glad that you guys are standing up to this instead of letting them just take your package and well i, let said, that be I it. said to the guy i said you know he he says to me he sticks out his chest he says i confiscate between six to ten packages every day every shift that i work and I said, okay, and how many of those that you confiscate have somebody come storming down here with protesters even saying that we want it back? He says, well, none. I said, there you go. That should tell you right there that we have a different standing than than what you're trying to commonplace us with. You know, they're trying to insinuate that we're drug trafficking. We're not drug trafficking. Yeah. You know, right. it, it was a gift box, and, and usually if there was drug trafficking, there wouldn't have been money with the medicine. It would have been an exchange, money for a medicine. So, I mean, right. they're, just, they're just, they're grasping. They're just trying, you know, it's the calm before the storm because they know that the government's on the bridge of 
decriminalizing and possibly rescheduling, hopefully not. Um, you know, but but decriminalizing it, and and that we're this plant is going to be liberated. And there's just some haters out there that just they believe the propaganda, they believe the reefer madness. They think, oh my God, it's the end of the world if we let that plant get any respect or, or you know, anything. Right. And it's it's just sickening. It's sickening. There's people in prison. It's it's sickening. There's people in court systems. It, 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 it's sickening that that they're paying people twenty something dollars an hour to look at a package and think there might be a plant in there that could help heal somebody that's harmless. <laughs> it, it's, it's just stupid, and right. I think that they know that the masses are getting tired of it, and and they're you know hopefully we can just get this done once and for all for everybody and and move on to bigger and more important things. For sure, for sure. Eugene, is there anything you want to say? Well, I, I enjoy, I'd like to make you give you an invitation. Uh, next week we're going to talk about uh, MoveOn.org and uh, a movement we're trying to get with all the different groups, and we'd like to include your group in it, to, to, to get Washington to change the laws, to deschedule marijuana, to have the Absolutely. president issue an executive order, and to have Congress do something and we want to get we want to get make this a joint effort of everybody so we we, we'd like to extend that invitation for you to listen in next week and participate uh we'll it'll be the first half an hour of our show that we're talking about it okay absolutely i appreciate that yeah that's what that's the problem that you're seeing in the community today you're seeing people using the words like legalization and then saying victory, like we've won something because people over 21 in Oregon are allowed to use it. And that's not what liberation is. Liberation is is is, is to decriminalize it, not to have any restrictions, not to have any consequence against somebody for exercising their free choice. Absolutely. And and that's right. what we want to get. We want to get the, the politicians to, to see – America rising up and saying, hey, we want to change this whole picture. Yes. That's exactly what we want to do. And, I'd and be honored. I'd be honored to be a part of, of helping you to do that, sir. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very um, much. Thank you, Joy. Thank you, Joy. Um, thank you for coming on. And um, we're going to be holding um, – we, we want to do a march and have a big conference out in D.C. We got Amanda Latch. She is our parents for pot um, – Rep- she's a parent for pop representative for uh, for Michigan, and she wants to help rally all the people together in D.C. So we're going to talk to her. But, Joy, I just want to thank you so, so much for coming on to our show and taking the time out to let our listeners know what's going on in in this world. It's, it's important that we all listen, and thank you for, for being a voice of the cannabis force. Thank you for your fight. It's my honor, said, thank guys, you. and I'm just honored to stand amongst good, true-hearted, clear-minded people like you guys that see what's really going on through their delusions and their fogs of bullshit and are willing to do what you guys are doing because, I mean, without you guys doing what you're doing, people like me doing what we're doing wouldn't wouldn't get, you know, recognized for, for trying to make an effort at all. So thank you guys yeah. and blessings to all of you. Thank you, Joy. Thank you. All right, you guys, that was Joy Graves. Um, you can find more about uh, what's going on, on with the ONAC Church if you go to her Facebook wall. Um, it's J-O-Y-G-R-A-V-E-S. 
Um, you know, and Joy, what, what I just want to point out, Joy was a good friend of Jack Hare. And, you know, Jack Hare wrote the book, Emperor Wears No Clothes. And Jack Hare revealed all the truth and all the conspiracy, everything about the plant that we should know. So if you have any questions about prohibition, just open up the book, Emperor, Knows Clo- Emperor Wears No Clothes, and join me at the end of the show where I do a, a special tribute to all of our people who have passed away in this movement. And we do a special, I take a few minutes every Sunday to honor Jack Hare and his sacrifices. So tune in later to the show. You don't want to miss it. Um, but first, um, before we get to the end of the show, we're going to talk to Amanda Latz. And right after Amanda, Mindy and I are going to update you guys on what is going on in Washington. And then we're going to get a brief update from Tom Corby in Northern California. So we don't have much time to talk. Um, so we all got to make it quick. But after that, I'll do my closing. So stay tuned. But here is Amanda Latz. Amanda, you are just so inspired to help in the war. What is what's up? Tell us. <laughs> I'm actually. I'm good afternoon. I'm actually on my way right now to uh, the state capital of Michigan to conduct our first um, monthly meeting uh, for Parents for Pot. Uh, wow, I'm, I'm literally. Yeah, and I honestly, I'm I'm Sunday. really grateful. To, oh to be doing this and to be part of the national movement that's about to see the beginning domino falling, um, especially because I'm not allowed to medicate right now. So I'm literally high on life. That's the honest truth, though. I, I feel like I have, like, little clouds underneath my, my shoes for the last couple weeks. There's just been so many amazing things going on around me, and... Um, I, I'm just honored to, to be able to be part of the, the pioneers, if you will, to, to really getting this stuff um, accomplished and, and and not being the pink elephant in the room anymore. And I want to thank Eugene for taking the time after his long um, flight yesterday, uh, taking some time to talk to me on the phone. Um, it was beyond inspiring to talk to him. Um, I I can't wait to meet him face to face, and just to, to know and be reassured that I'm not alone in my perception of things. I also chatted with Mindy, uh, just Facebook Messenger last night, and obviously Kristen. I, I talk to you pretty frequently, and I really get this vibe from across the country that there's so many of us that are just tired of spinning wheels, you know, because we're doing so much on a local and state level, but what does it matter at the end of the day if the feds are going to come in and break it up anyway? Like, you know, it's right. it's just time. Um, I truly believe that four or five, six years ago, especially when the, the real talk of legalization came to the table and Washington and Colorado actually put it on the ballot, <clears throat> I think a lot of us activists kind of thought, okay, well, this is, this is the turning point. We've come to a fork in the road. Um, everything's going to kind of snowball and fall into place. At this point, 2016 is going to be the year of the presidential election, yada, yada. But then at the same time, I think we all kind of were lackadaisical about thinking that it was going to be some other group or some other activist that did it. And now look, we're all sitting looking around at each other like, what the hell just didn't happen? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So That's why I, we just got to do it. it. We're just going to do it. We're, we're just going to end the war and call it that, right? Call it that, right? <laughs> right. So, 
Um, I'm I'm really stoked. Um, I've been speaking with with a handful of different activists in the United States um, this past week, just kind of feeling things out and how to uh, help coordinate all this because it's obviously it's, it's going to take a lot of different people and even deeper than that, it's going to take a lot of activists who in the past have been adversaries. Um, putting all that aside, I mean, that's part of the reason why that I think the feds haven't really, and Congress hasn't really even attempted to approach this. Why should they? Why should they fix this problem when we're all giving, we're all saying that this is a problem, but we can't even all get together and figure it out. Uh, right. Just such a lack of unity and way too much ego involved, um, you know, and I, I really believe that at the end of the day, we all want the same thing, which is safe access for every single American. Now, possibly our vehicles to arrive at that destination may be different, but we're all going, we're all driving to the same place. So it's time for us to stop worrying about who's driving a Volvo, who's driving a Chevy, who's driving a Ford. Let's just all keep focused on that final destination. And are we going to be able to agree on everything across the board? Probably not. Will there be some people that will commit to doing this that will fall off because so-and-so is is on board and they have a beef with them? You know, all all that's going to go on. There's going to be a lot of um, turmoil as far as that goes. Um, And it's just time for bipartisanship. That's going to be the only way we're going to pull off this basically logistical nightmare um, between having a legit march and having a conference and then actually formally having um, an allotted time slot in a congressional meeting to have testimony given. And, For sure. and the, um, biggest cha- the biggest challenge wanna... is going to be um, approaching Congress with a outline of language that we want. Um, that's going to be the biggest, the, the biggest uh, logistics to it all, um, because there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to agree on that. Um, but I, I, talk, especially through talking with Eugene last night, um, I, I know it could be done. It, it's just going to take some strong people to be okay with some of the details being negotiated of how things are done, how the approach is actually made. Um, but I, I think there's enough of us that are just sick and tired of being sick and tired and all of our efforts being in vain when the feds come in and break it up anyway that I, I think it's time. So I'm really excited. Um, uh, one thing, too, Amanda, is we want, of course, to affect Congress the most, but Eugene was talking to... Um, uh, Eugene was talking to someone I forget who he said he was talking to um, Eugene who were you talking to that said that we could also while we're at it trying to affect Congress also try to affect the President as well uh, Beth Curtis told him that the President also has Yes Beth the, Curtis, Beth so Curtis, we're out there, Curtis we made that point also put a focus and move, on um, getting attention from the President uh, Christian uh, move on dot org 
has a petition uh, uh, going out that emphasizes the uh, bipartisan approach, the bilateral approach of getting the president to do an executive order on descheduling effectively by not prosecuting federally anymore marijuana cases. And in unison with that, going to Congress and asking them to pass the law. Remember, that's the that's the uh, part of our government. We have the three branches, and we're working with two of the branches. We're not doing the Supreme Court, but we're doing the we do the Congress and the executive body, and it can work. It can work. It's that simple. It can work. Uh, we were uh, uh, as Amanda and I were talking last night. Uh, we were able to do it out of prison. Uh, we we had our families and friends go to. Uh, including Jesse Jackson, go to Washington to talk to the Black Caucus of Congress about getting uh, restate, restating parole. Well, uh, uh, we we didn't accomplish that, but we did talk with Danny Davis and other representatives of Congress and showed them support. Well, I think we can do a bigger thing. We can do this. We, we can start by getting this petition going, which we'll talk next week about, uh, in the first half an hour of our program, and get let's get hundreds of thousands of people on that petition, and then let's let, let's organize and get buses rolling into D.C. and getting as Amanda and I were talking last night, as, as we've talked, Christian and Mindy has talked about, we can get representatives of the different organizations to speak to the president. We'll ask for for a personal audience and to speak to Congress. That can be powerful. And remember, if we do that this year, if we do that this year, this is also an election year, isn't it? So it'll influence yeah. its presidential election. So it'll influence those candidates. So far, I've heard the two Democratic candidates talk about rescheduling marijuana. And that's and in fact, Bernie Saunders said, not just Hillary Clinton, but Bernie Saunders said, changing the whole outlook towards marijuana. Well, on the other side of the equation, the Republicans stand for states' rights. And how can you how can you oppose it if right now we've got 26, 27 states that have have legalized medical marijuana? How can you start? How can you go if it? It's, Pretty soon it's going to be 40, 40 of the 50 states. And how can you say that the federal government can keep opposing that state's, those states' rights? So both parties, both parties, we can push them to the point of of uh, changing their whole approach to this thing. And in other words, the people can really speak out. That's what For this sure. is all For about. Sure. I agree. And might I add that if we're able to successfully get the current president on board and make some sort of executive decision. Um, This would not be the first presidency that a president attempted to go out with a bank. That is a very common theme, especially among two-term presidents. If you look back at our history books, um, they like to be remembered on a good note. Um, a lot of them, even astringent, um, even crooked, 
even Nixon attempted to uh, pardon people and and do things so that that would be the last thing that he did that people remembered. Um, so I think uh, I think Eugene hit the nail on the head as far as that goes, and especially if we publicly approach um, our plan, you know, and really blow it up so that everybody knows what we're doing. All those candidates, even down to the legislative level for local, um, they're going to be paying attention to that. It's going to really influence a lot of elections down to local levels, and that's really what, aside from this huge daunting task that we have to do, that's really what's going to make a difference long term is voting out the people who aren't advocating for us the way that we're wanting to be advocated for. So that's going to really call the big dogs off the porch, if you will. We'll know who's who and where they stand once they catch wind of what we're doing. Well, you guys, we've got a couple Very more. well we've said. Got we've got one more call, and I just want to say, you know, by descheduling our plant and working really hard to get it descheduled, that would um, that would release our prisoners, and that's the ultimate goal is to be able to get those, some of our recently prisoners that have been released out to D.C. so that our congressmen can hear their voices and they can find out firsthand what it's like to be in prison for decades for a plant or, you know, to have to die in prison or to have to go to prison or to lose your family or anything like that for a plant. So um, the whole voices of the cannabis war is to bring the voices together in one place in D.C. coming up so everybody, you know, start thinking about what you can do to help. Um, Amanda's going to lead the way in organizing and planning, and we need people to help her help the world. So, Amanda, I want to thank you for your effort, um, but we've got to get another another call on. we got Washington News and closing all before 11. Um, but um, I want to thank you for, for reaching out and saying, hey, I want to, I want to help with this. That means a lot to us and the whole world. For sure. And real, real quickly, I would just like to add... Um, I, I really, one of my personal goals, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, um, along with targeting those who are in jail currently, um, I would like to work something into that proposed language where um, felon, that the fel- eventually it may have to be like a, something that would be grandfathered in, um, you know, or take some time to actually um, enact. But myself, you know, being a, a a felon now that I have this uh, serious nature cannabis crime over my head. Um, one out of every 20 Americans, uh, one-fifth, are, are now at this point a felon. Um, and within that, I believe it's around 70% are having to do with drug crimes in general. And I believe within that 70%, it's another 60 to 70% are actually cannabis crimes. Um, so I've worked with the homeless a lot over the years. Um, I know that the, the felony records of many people contribute to a lot of huge social issues, including homelessness, uh, including uh, unemployment and things of that nature. And I think that long-term, um, basically pardoning anybody who's had a cannabis crime is just going to improve our economy and really strengthen, um, it, it's going to be a huge crutch to our to our broken economy um, because it's just difficult. I mean, when I go to apply for college, I'm putting that on my application. When I'm going to apply for a rental house or a job, 
Um, it just makes it really tough to survive, but that's how the system is designed. So that's something, one of my goals in uh, working across the board with, with everybody across the nation of formulating this language, um, I, I don't want to just fix Band-Aid things and, and have things better for some people. I, I really want to umbrella everybody who's, who's been touched um, by this plant and, and having criminal charges. And also I would like to add that I have a goal two weeks from this weekend to have the first national conference call. Um, so I'll call in next week and give a little bit more details in regards to that. And I invite anybody from keyboard warrior status to people who right. actually work in the industry all the way up to the people who are eyeball deep in the political end of it. Um, it's, it's, it's time for us to join hands, put that ego aside, and just get this shit done. I, I'm just I'm All right. Ready. Thank I'm you, hung, Amanda. I'm hungry. Yep. You yes. guys have a great day. Thank you. All right. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Love you, too. All right, you guys. That was Amanda Latz, a represent, state representative for Parents for Pot in Michigan, helping us try and end the war. Um, Mindy and I are going to go to do, we're going to do a little bit of a update on Washington because we have so many things going on here. A couple of weeks ago, we had Lance Glore's trial, and I am excited to let you guys know that Lance is not in prison for a plant, and he may not go to prison for a plant. However, we're going to know more about Lance and his ankle bracelet later, but I do know I've seen him on Facebook, and he's heard about the snitching. You know, it's been two weeks, and he's had to deal with the fact that his lifelong friend testified him against him in federal court and that's been draining on his emotions I believe I've, I've seen it and it's hard there and then uh, Bellingham 3 Bellingham 3 has been facing 30 years for the last four years and the Bellingham 3's charges were officially dropped I believe Monday or last Thursday Monday or Thursday but um yeah, they are now no longer facing 30 years. In fact, um, there's three of them. There's Poppy Sidhu, um, there was Chris Ramsey, and then there's Martin Nickerson. And hopefully we'll have um, one of the three on coming up soon for our, for, for, one, for a radio show. But we've had so many so many um, breaking news coming on a radio show. We don't want to forget, you know, we have this, this war in Washington where we think it's legal, but yet we've got all these people going to to, to jail for it. And Mindy, Mindy um, just sat there. You guys, we have Debbie and Josh who were facing jail time, and they had their sentencing. And Mindy sat in the sentencing. What what happened in the sentencing, Mindy? Um, but let me make. I want to do a little background in case you, both listeners, don't know. Debbie and Josh were first facing state charges when I learned about them um, way back when I met Kristen. And um, the state dropped the charges um, for the feds to pick them up. Um, they were both, the recommendation by the prosecution was a year and a day for both of them. Um, the courtroom was packed, and they um, ultimately received no jail time, uh, time served and three years probation. Huge success, um, <laughs> great victory for them that they're not going to jail. Um, it's a struggle that they both are now um, felons uh, you know, Amanda touched on that, and that part of it is not um, is no good whatsoever. And I know that Josh uh, has struggled with trying to get a job and and doing the things he needs to do because of having that um, charge on him. But 
the bottom line is is their family is not being separated. The judge um, agreed that to separate the parents and the children at this stage when Josh and Debbie had worked so hard prior to sentencing to do everything the court had required would be a further injustice, and um, and that's how he determined it. It was incredibly emotional. Check out Debbie Bretchler's page for some amazing pictures of um, the post-sentencing crowd and um, the emotions. It was, it was a great highlight um, in my week for sure, if not year. Wow, and also they could get an update by listening by reading the Washington, Oregon um, Northwest by reading the Northwest Leaf article that Voices of the Cannabis War and the Human Solution in Partnership write for. Um, so if you are in Washington or Oregon, grab that copy of the Northwest Leaf, and you'll get the whole article there. Also, um, absolutely. So Mindy, is that it for Northwest news? Do you have any prison outreach news you want to give us about our prisoners? Um, not this week. I've been a little busy with some of you know going going to Seattle back and doing some other and the press conference. I haven't. I don't have a lot to tell you about prisoners in Oregon right now. Oh, I do want to mention again though that our uh, Valentine's Day episode. If you um, want to send a message to somebody who is in prison and would like us to read that on air so they can see that when they get out, um, do so. Or if well, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. All right. Thank you. Love you. you. Tony said she loves you. Love love you too, Tony. (laughs) She loves you too. All right. Next, we're going to go to Tom Corby, who is a human solution uh, leader up in the Northern California. And Tom, he represents all kinds of prisoners and defendants. He truly, like, leads the way up there when it comes to court support and trying to get the word out in Northern California. So here we go. I'm looking for Tom. Uh-oh, I don't see Tom. I think Tom might have dropped off. Well, you guys, I'm going to go into closing. Um, first of all, we want to thank CHI for giving this platform for us to have a voice. Um, and we also want to thank Becca, who's not on the, on the on the show today, but she helps us screen. And we want to always thank Becca for doing what she can. She's also a Human Solution member. And we want to thank... Um, the Northwest Leaf for giving us a voice, the uh, Vegas Canna Magazine for giving us a voice, and we want to thank Amy and all the guests and all the prisoners and everybody who's affected by prohibition for listening. Um, and I also want to say we can end the war right now by two things. One, by saying not guilty in the courtrooms by judging if the law has not been broken, but actually judging the law. It's called jury nullification. We can also end the war right now by not snitching. That means that you don't tell on each other because when you tell on each other, that gives the government information to have cases against each other. So without those two things, the government would not be able to do this to us and incarcerate us. So I just want to say rest in peace to some people who cannot be here today because they died throughout prohibition, like my father, Richard Floor, who I had to take off life support. He was shackled to a hospital bed uh, because he was a caregiver in Montana, and the federal government, they don't um, like state. They don't accept state laws, and so my dad had no no chance to fight his case, and he was really sick and miserable. And they literally didn't take care of him, and he died shackled to a bed with broken bones, undiagnosed colon cancer, liver failure. The last time I saw my dad really alive was in a courtroom, and um, last time I saw him, he was half dead in a hospital bed. And so 
we got to end prohibition so nobody else dies in prison. We also need to say rest in peace to Gary Shepard, who was shot down by the federal government 21 years ago. So was Mary Jane Jones, who stood next to him and held their little son, baby Jake, in their arms. As Jake's father died, as Jake laid in, the father of his, in a puddle of his father's and his mother's blood, his mother survived. However, she just passed away a few, years, a few, few months ago. So rest in peace to them. Um, they also gave us Stacy Tice, who's their niece, and Stacy drives around a big green bus because nobody should have to die like her uncle died and get shot down like her aunt did. We also want to say rest in peace to Jack Hare, who taught us and fought for us and taught us about why our plant is so special. Jack died uh, because of cancer, and Joy Graves told me once that if Rick Stinson oil had been invented before he passed away, it would have saved his life. So we also want to say rest in peace to Bill Amorty, who was serving a life sentence for our plant with Eugene Fisher, who was another host of this show that you heard all day today. Um, and Bill Amorty died, died on the 4th of July. Can you imagine for our plant on the 4th of July? Um, Eugene said he was in the yard, and he grabbed his heart. He grabbed his chest, and he died of a major heart, major heart attack. That's another reason why we should not have people in prison for a plant, because they should have, have to die there. Also, we want to say rest in peace to Peter McWilliams, who died in, for a plant in prison. Um, he wrote us some really good books. In fact, one helped me get through my father's death, and that was how to deal with death. Um, he left us inspiration, so please check out Peter McWilliams' books. Uh, we also want to say rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who fought for our rights. He is one of the Kettle Falls family, and he died of cancer through the middle of a federal, federal government and, um, trying to incarcerate him. But he went to D.C. and fought for us all. And we also want to say rest in peace to D. Young for giving us Adam. <laughs> and rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, um, who is Craig Cecil's uh, son who passed away. And he wasn't able to have his dad there because his dad's in prison. We also want to say rest in peace to Skip Spencer Coptis and Cassie Hyde, two little children who were raided. Their, their caregivers, they had brain tumors in their head, and their caregivers were raided and they weren't able to get the medicine that they needed, and they both passed away in the war. And also to Bernardo Bruno Martinez, who is just a really good friend of mine who is helping make videos that he wanted to put around the whole world in order for the whole world to end prohibition, not just our country. Um, but we have one more, and that's Oscar. That's Gene and George's friend who um, passed away in prison, and they say he went CI in the sky. Um, rest in peace to all of them, and please help us in prohibition so nobody else has to die in this war, and that all, so that all of our prisoners can return home to their families. Thank you, and have a beautiful Sunday. And oh yeah, check out this song; it's one of my favorites. It's called "No More War" by Kushite. Man, I 
can't hack this I'm losing my patience like a damn malpractice 2012 and they still manifesting destiny With military industry complex style weaponry Depriving heads of righteous men while sipping on the Hennessy CIA means coke in America, apparently It's been a narco-plutocracy since the 70s Corporations profiteering, domineering everything Radio press, news in the media You better learn to discern from the bullshit that they're feeding you Like GMOs from Monsanto Ringing alarms at family farms so man can't grow Let's go. 